All right, a question to start our time. What are you filled up with? What are you filled up with? Best way to actually answer that question is ask the people around you. They can tell you what you're filled up with because they can tell you what you're pouring out. So go ahead, just test it out. Talk amongst your friends. You know, no, I'm just kidding. We don't have to do that right now. But as, you know, release the peace. As we are in the middle of here, almost at the end of a fast and a feast to start the year as a church family, the, the cry of our heart behind why we start the year doing something of a fast where we're setting aside something, might even be a good thing, maybe it's a distracting thing, maybe, maybe it's a negative thing that we know we should have set that aside anyways. And then we feast, we feast on the Lord. We intentionally say, what, can we, what are some more things we can, can do as disciplines in our life, whether it's more time in his word. It's why we got the daily devotions every, every morning right now with the church family. Set aside times of prayer, set aside times of worship. Grab one of those Vision 2020 uh, sheets where we did the workshop last Saturday and it's really thinking through, God, what are those holy Goals, dreams, visions for 2020 where I want to see your kingdom break through. All of those things and whatever else you're doing, the cry of the heart is basically in 2020, Lord, in this year, I want to be filled up with you so that I pour out you. And we see this model more clearly in Jesus than anyone else. And oh my goodness, is it good news for the weary soul who feels like, man, I am burning out. Or man, I, I have just poured out so much, I'm, I'm sick of pouring out. Or I'm, I'm struggling even to, to have good fruit to share with others around me. And I'm thank you, thank you that you didn't really have us talk to each other and say, what am I pouring out right now? Because I, I, I know I'm not too excited about what's pouring out. And if we're honest, that's all of us at times, all of us. So let's look to Jesus here for some encouragement this morning. We'll be in Luke 4, 42 to 43. When it was day, Jesus departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and they came to him and they would have kept him from leaving them. They're excited he's there. They're saying, stay with us. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, for I was sent for this purpose. Now, this is one of those passages, passages that you can just easily pass right over. But there are some nuggets in here, and as we keep going in Luke, we'll see a pattern that Luke is trying to show us about the life of Jesus. So it starts with this observation. When, he, when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place. The people come, though, and they're like, hey, where are you, man? We need you. We want you to stay here. We like you. You hear that in there? They, want, they tried to keep him from leaving them. 
In other words, what's happening is that Jesus skipped out on a welcoming crowd to go be alone. He had been there a couple days and he's preaching the good news and the reception is great. Some people might say, hey, you know what? A little mini revival's breaking out. You're responding. They want you to stay. They want to hear the good news. So let's say he finishes a, the night with a, you know, a, a, a good word from the Lord. He preaches. It goes great. People respond. Everybody goes away for the night. They come in. Daybreak comes, everybody's expecting, oh man, I can't wait to go. It's like a great conference, right? Can't wait for more. And Jesus skips out on them to go be alone. Skips out on a welcoming crowd to go be alone. Start thinking about that. What? They want to hear his word. They like him. They want to hear more of what he's saying. But when he wakes up, he, he leaves them to go be alone. And then when they find him, he says, sorry, my time here's up. I'm going to go to the next city. What is he doing? Well, we get a little bit clearer picture in the next chapter in Luke 5, 15 to 16, where Luke uses the exact same word, desolate place, because Jesus is about to do it again. But this time he gives a little bit more of what Jesus does when he goes to that desolate place. So Luke 5, 15. And now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. That contrast there is rather shocking once you see it. Luke likes to give these nice little summary pictures at times of what is going on in Jesus's ministry. And this is one of those little summary pictures. But if you think about the contrast, it's shocking. When I first saw it, I was like, is, is Jesus allowed to do this? It says that great crowds are coming to hear him and be healed. They're receptive to the gospel they're receptive to being healed. And what does Luke point out? But sometimes in the middle of that, Jesus would leave to go pray. What we're going to see here in Luke is that Jesus models a shocking rhythm of retreating from the world to go be with the Father and then re-engaging with the world to advance the kingdom. So what is the result of these times? And this is all throughout Luke. Once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's beautiful. If you want to go through Luke and do a study, the word desolate, the word prayer, the word withdraw, those come together to form what is clearly a pattern in Jesus's life that Luke wants us to see. Even Jesus starting his ministry was preceded by a retreat in the desert. That's a famous one, the wilderness, which the spirit led him into. But what was the result of that? What was the result of that 40-day fast retreat to feast on 
God's presence. What was the result? Luke 4, 13 and 14, as soon as that retreat in the wilderness is over, which he also battles the devil, and that's part of it. He puts, that's next week's message, can't go there. Okay. What's the result of this retreat? Luke 4, 13 and 14. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. That's kind of freaky. But anyways, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And he starts his ministry. Before the retreat, it says Jesus is filled with the Spirit. And then we see the baptism of Jesus And it's not a coincidence, though, that now after the retreat, Luke describes Jesus, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, as this. Now he's filled with the power of the Spirit. Not a coincidence that that's right after a retreat. Is it a coincidence that Jesus went on a retreat to be with the Lord right before he engages the world in kingdom advancing ministry? No. Is it a coincidence that Luke notes that he came back different, you might say? The description at the beginning was filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, that's awesome. And the description afterwards is now in the power of the Spirit, after the retreat. Jesus is retreating, excuse me, Jesus is retreating to be with the Father. And then he comes back in the power of the Spirit, ready to engage the world and advance the kingdom. This is a way of life that Jesus is modeling for us. If even Jesus can declare, apart from the Spirit, I can do nothing which he said in John 5, or apart from the Father, I can do nothing. I only do what I see the Father doing. If even Jesus in his humanity declares that and models for us how much more we need to be filled up with the Spirit. We need those retreat times so that as we re-engage, we're pouring out power. What you are filled up with is what you are going to pour out, period. Jesus models that if you want to pour out the power of the kingdom, the fruit of the kingdom, then first you've got to get filled up with the fruit of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom. Because what you are filled up with is what you pour out. Jesus modeled this again in Luke 6, 12 to 13. And this one's even just a little bit more specific and practical about wisdom. It says, in these days, he went out to a mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. That's called the retreat. And when day came, he called his disciples and he chose from them 12 who he named Apostles. Is it a coincidence that Jesus retreated 
for an all-night prayer with the Lord before he chose the 12 apostles. No. What's he doing? He's getting filled up with Holy Spirit wisdom to pour out. And Jesus teaches the disciples to do the same. After Jesus sends out the 12 for the first time, he gives them, it says in Luke 9, right at the beginning, that he gives them power, authority to heal, to cast out demons, to preach the kingdom of God. And they do. And they have some great success and they're excited. And when they return and they want to tell Jesus all about it, what's the first thing Jesus does? teaches them his rhythm and says, let's go on a retreat. Luke 9, 10. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and Jesus took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. These are these little nuggets in God's word where it's like you pass right over them until you see them, and then you see them, and it's like, wow. This is not a coincidence. This is a rhythm of life for Jesus. This is a rhythm of life that he's passing on to his disciples. This is a pattern that continues all throughout the entire gospel of Luke. And you'll see it in the other gospels. But I just read Luke, so that's where I'm feeding from right now. Retreat and engagement. Fill up, pour out. Abide with the Lord, bear good fruit. Fill up with power pour out power. What Jesus models for us so clearly is this rhythm of life, retreat engagement. When you fill up with God, then you will pour out God. What you are filled up with is what you will pour out. Just a simple picture for us. What you are filled up with is what you will pour out. Jesus claims that he is the living water. So what you are filled up with when it's the living water is then what you will pour out to the world, the living water. And you see the picture. It starts with God as the source, the living water, the living water, the living water. What you are filled up with is what you will pour out. And conversely, what you fill up with is what you will pour out. This unnamed muck is available to all of us, and we drink, sometimes like from a fire hose, and then we fill up. And then what do we do most of the times unconsciously? Just ask your friends and family around you. We pour out. And there's me on my kids sometimes. This is one of the most simple truths about humanity. It's a spiritual law, if you will. It's essentially unavoidable. It makes perfect sense once you see it, once you see this rhythm, because you can actually feel immediately, oh yeah, I need that. 
I need to fill up with the living water because I am going to pour out. That's in some ways just a requirement of being alive. People are going to make withdrawals from you. Life is going to make withdrawals from you. Your job is going to make withdrawals from you. Relationships are going to make withdrawals from you. In any of those things, or in many of those things, in many aspects of life, things are required from you. And this is one of those areas we don't really get the choice, right? Life requires physical, emotional, spiritual energy outputting to others in response to just being alive and being human and interacting and just those challenges of everyday life. They require something from you. That's happening all day, every day, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, whether it's subconscious even at times and you're pouring out and you don't even realize it. Now, God's designed us that way because we're meant to fill up with the living water so that we, what we pour out is an advancement of his kingdom. That's been there from the very beginning when God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth with my glory. We've meant to be, we have been created as conduits from the very beginning. And yet with that, because we do pour out, now we start, we gotta think of how am I stewarding that? Am I happy with what I'm pouring out? Am I aware of what I'm pouring out? You know, and it's just, I joked about my kids, but you know, it's like that's, even recently, I was reminded, what am I pouring out? Because that's on me. So there's one, you know, of my beloved three sons who I will say is particularly challenging more than the other two. And I find myself particularly frustrated with him. And I find myself particularly raising my voice with him more than the others. And then I find myself particularly mad at myself afterwards. Why did I do that again? What's What's in me though is pouring out. And that's where I've got to hold myself accountable. Does he need to be disciplined? Yes. Does he need to grow? Yes. Does he step outside the bounds and need to be in timeout? Yes. But is what comes out of me his fault? No. That's me. I got to own that. Just like I tell my kids all the time as we're working with them on life, if someone's rude, whether it's their brother or someone at school, the only person we're in control of is me. The only person that I have to steward is me. And you know what? I told my kids this. You can't give them that power. Don't, don't give yourself that weakness and say, well, when they, when they do this, it forces me to respond like this. Don't give them that power. Don't make them in control of you. When God's in you and with you, you respond according to what's in you. Don't give them the power to say, you control me. When you do this, I have to respond negatively like this. So then the Lord's like, hey, remember that cool thing you told your kids? That's for you. <laughs> and it's that reminder though, okay, I'm not pouring out 
what I want with my son. So what does that mean? What have I preached to them? What am I filled up with? So in that particular challenging area, it's like, all right, I need to fill up with the Lord. I need to fill up with God's perspective on my son. I need to fill up with God's wisdom to handle this unique personality that's different than the other two. I need to fill up, God, what's your heart for him? How do you see him right now? And that's, wow, you see a lot of great stuff. You see the big picture of all these different areas that he is growing and that he is maturing and there's abundance of things to be proud of. And then you also feel that, man, and God's got a lot more patience for the process as well. And it's like, oh, when I can retreat to fill up about this particular challenging area, then I'm ready. And then when I go into the situation that draws on me and requires from me, I have something already ready to pour out. And that's just one example of a thousand different ways where life every single day is requiring us to pour out. And the question is, are we, are we excited about, are we happy with, do we like what's pouring out? Is it a blessing to the others around us? Is it the, the kingdom advancing, pouring out that we all wanna be a part of? And it just comes back to that question of really the question is not what's the problems out there, but it's what are you filling up with right in here that's preparing you to pour out good fruit and kingdom advancing power regardless of the situation. Two quick aspects of this and then we'll, we'll close our time. One very important aspect when I see Jesus modeling this for us, this way of life that's retreat and it's abiding and it's filling up and then it's engaging and pouring out, bearing good fruit. He is modeling for us in this. He is teaching us. He is giving us permission to make time for retreat. Our culture will say, to get alone with God, that's a waste of time. You have more important things to do. And I believe Jesus is modeling for us a different picture of because I have so many important things to do, I must be full of God. I must have God to pour out. I must first start with retreats so that I'm filled up with God so that the power of God pours out of me when it's required. So that the tasks that I engage in today are filled with God's strength and not me on my own. So that the people that I engage with today receive God's good fruit, not just what I can muster up on my own strength. I believe this is a rhythm that many of the old saints have discovered. You show me a person who is committed to this rhythm of retreat and getting away with God regularly, I guarantee you will see a person that by the end of their life, you will be in awe of what they have accomplished 
that taking and making the time to retreat is not going to diminish your productivity. It is going to wildly increase it because the power of God will be with you and upon you to pour out. I remember a specific conversation from a book that I read about Dr. Martin Luther King. I believe it was out of strength to love. Couldn't find the book, so I can't be sure. Incredible book. And there's in there a conversation, a summary, and I actually kind of already put it on Jesus' lips. It was such a profound answer when I found out about it like 20 years ago. But anyways, a critic comes to him, and as they're having a conversation, Dr. King tells him that he spends up to three hours a day in the word and in prayer. And this critic says essentially like, basically that's a waste of time. (laughs) With so much to do, with so many people depending on you, with so much action that has to take place, with so much to be accomplished, how can you spend slash waste three hours a day in prayer and in the word? And his response, which... You know, I essentially said Jesus was saying the same thing, but his response was, it is because I have so much to accomplish that I spend so much time alone with God. I love, love that answer. That is awesome. And I'm not saying that if you don't spend three hours a day in prayer and the word that you're not going to accomplish anything. You know what I'm saying. It is, what are you filled up with? And are you making that time to be filled up with the Lord so that as you pour out in life, you see what's coming out? And in some ways, this, you know, the the radical picture here is we get to choose. It's kind of crazy. There is a lot of, of reality here in we get to choose. What are we going to pour out? He invites us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Then you'll have rest for your souls. That's an invitation. We can say to invitations, no. We can say, no thanks. I like it over here in tired and weary land. I like it over here in bad fruit of anger and frustration. <laughs> I like it over here, you know, you know where I'm going. One of the most important things you can do in life is dedicate yourself to the time and energy to discover and develop as many ways as possible to fill up with God. Because there are many, there's not just one, there are many. So as stewards of our lives, one of the most important things you can do is say, this matters to me. I want to get really good at this. I want to do my part. God's already done his. He'll be there waiting. His grace will be upon it. He's pursuing me every day with mercy and goodness. But what does Revelation 3 say? He's knocking at the door. So I want to learn how to open the door daily. I want to learn how to discover and develop those ways that are effective for me to open the door and say, yes, thank you, Lord. I am communing with you today. I'm filling up with you. This is, in a a sense, an extension of last week's message where we finished Joshua 1, 
through one through nine. And what does one eight say? It's shocking. It says, as you really commit yourself to spending time in God's word, and that's one very important way to do it, to fill up. What does it say? The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you're careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success wherever you go. (laughs) I told you last week, I am uncomfortable with this passage because it's putting a lot on us. You choose, do you want your way prosperous? And now the passage balances it out where it says, because I will be with you wherever you go. But that's that tension. He's with you, but sometimes we don't open the door. Sometimes we're not choosing to make our way prosperous in the Lord. We're choosing. I got too much to do today, Lord. No thanks. Don't need you today. And as you say it like that, I was like, that's so stupid. But isn't it so easy to get in that rhythm? where we don't feel that dependence. Man, if I want anything good and lasting of God's kingdom in me and through me today, I need to fill up. And my encouragement, my encouragement is, this will be hard. Okay, let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't encouraging. My encouragement is, this will be hard, but God's grace will be there. He wants this for you more than you even want it for you. This is what you're made for. You're made to commune with him so you can pour him out. That is like the essence of creation. Be with him and pour it out. I'll give a couple quick testimonies of my own life. I hated reading to the point that it made me deceptive. I I could not, would not read a book I remember my Granny Lynn, some of you guys know her before she passed, she was part of our church. She'd always try to get me to read, you know, and I'm I'm feeling guilt and shame right now. Sorry, Granny. (laughs) Like, she'd buy these nice books. Hey, this one's really fun. This one's really cool. Okay, Granny, thanks. And never even crack it. You know, even in AP English, my senior year of high school, man, I would read like two and a half pages trying to like just find a little gist so I didn't sound like a total idiot in the discussion, you know, just kind of totally BS my way through discussion and test because I just hated reading. Did not like reading. Well, I can honestly say I am absolutely in love with reading the word of God. I can't wait to read the word of God. I love it. It is so awesome. And it's not just about the words. It's not intellectual information. This is a, what feels more and more like a direct plug conduit to encountering God. Uh, and I don't, I'm not bragging, but it's easy. I want to go connect with God. I'm going to read his word and I'm going to get filled with him. I'm going to feel him. I'm going to feel the fruit. I'm going to feel his love. And then I have something to pour out. That's not me. That's God's grace. It's the same thing with with prayer, you, you ask people that know me, you can probably tell, I have a lot of energy. I get excited. That doesn't really go well with quiet meditation. Let me tell you, 23 years of struggling through it, I am absolutely in love with God's presence through quiet meditation. And I shock myself where I can sit there for an hour 
meditating, just chewing on one or two beautiful phrases from God's word or a worship song, play it a couple times, then turn it off and just me and the Lord and just feel his presence undeniably there filling me up. And, and I say this because it's 23 years from the time I was 17 where I said, okay, this matters and it's hard. I remember sharing with my wife, sharing with my mom, man, I just don't have joy in these times. I just don't get it. The Bible's, you know, it's hard or prayer or worship, man. Those songs are so lame compared to like real music. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that's gone. No, I can, I can genuinely say by God's grace, it is almost always easy to connect with him and fill up. And by God's grace, after 20 years of 23 plus of ups and downs and struggles, I don't struggle still there, but I get to live most days filled up and fired up about life, about God with joy, with peace, with passion. And there's many other testimonies in this room about that, that same good Jesus, that same good God. I mean, there's people in this room have had horrible stuff happen to them and in the midst of it still filled up and bearing great fruit. There's, there's, there's people that have lost their homes to fire. There's people that both, both spouses have lost jobs. There's people that have been abandoned and abused. There's people that have unjustly been taken to court. More than, more than, I know a few. And it's a privilege, a holy privilege to see how awesome Jesus is. That as they choose to retreat, they choose to make it a lifestyle of seeking the Lord and filling up. It's a holy privilege to watch their lives bear fruit and pour out the living water in the midst of experiencing things that everyone in the world would say, you have every right to get bitter at everything God included and give up. And Jesus says, that doesn't have to be your story. It doesn't have to be any of our stories. The living water is right at hand. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He's not wanting to be stingy. He's knocking on the door. He's right there. I mean, it couldn't get any more clear of the picture how much he wants you to get filled up with him. That every day he's knocking on the door like, hello, I'm here again. He's saying, come be filled up again so that you can pour me out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how oh, your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your love. Thank you that you want to fill us up with a world, with a kingdom that is so far beyond what any of us could do on our own strength. Thank you, Lord, that truly another world is possible as we fill up on you. Your kingdom is possible. I pray right now that you would bless us with your Holy Spirit in a way that every single person in the room can take a step forward with you on that journey of developing a deep, 
powerful, regular rhythm of retreat to be with you. And I pray for those who are in the middle of that journey and just feel like, ah, this, this, this is hard and it doesn't feel like it's, it's working. It doesn't feel like I'm getting filled up and meeting with the Lord. I pray that you would give every single one of those people and all of us, because we'll always still have those times. Give us grace for the journey, Lord. Pray that you would give us perseverance to press through whatever those walls are that we're facing there. May your Holy Spirit bear the fruit of perseverance and that we would not be a people that would shrink back when things are hard, but we would press through into the promises that you have in your word and come out bearing your fruit and your power. I pray for those who are beginning the journey and stirred up today to feel like they, they need to make that commitment to make their own way prosperous. They need to choose to find ways to regularly get alone and commune with you. I pray blessing on that journey, that your spirit would be, would be bringing clarity of even the ways, the unique ways that you've wired them in their personality and their giftedness and in their own unique being a beloved child of yours, how you want to speak to them and meet with them and fill them up. And for those who, by your grace, after many years, feel that filling is right at hand, I pray that you would help all of them to just con continue to regularly do it and show them how to pass it on to others, their kids, their grandkids, their brothers and sisters in the Lord, just pass on testimony of your goodness and how you fill us up in ways that we know couldn't happen on our own strength. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we give ourselves to you and praise you in advance for the good things that you will do. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Sing a new song.